Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying the Prophet Ezekiel chapter 19. That is the Navi Echeskel Parakyud test. We are in the middle of a series of chapters in Ezekiel where the Prophet gives in each chapter different parables in order to get a message across to the people. Uh, we had the parable of the fruitless vine. We had the parable of the unfaithful wife. Then we had the parable that the people said about, um, about uh, you know, why parents, uh, how it could be that parents could eat the sour grapes while the children suffer the bad teeth because of them. And um, also the parable of the eagle and, uh, and the vine and so on. So these were the parables that he said. This one is also going to be a parable, but it's a little different on several counts. Number one. Yechezkel is not going to explain to us what the meaning of the parable was, which leaves us to have to explain it. Number two, this in this parable, it is also called a kina, a lamentation. So it's more, while the previous parables, Ezekiel was more trying to rebuke the people or teach them a lesson, in this one, he is crying over the loss of the um of, of, of something which we'll see soon the, in particular it's, it's, he's crying over the loss and the failure of the leadership of the people of Yehuda here we're also going to find some very keen observations regarding the nature of leadership the ability of leadership to lead the people in the right direction or the wrong direction and the responsibility that the leadership has and he is unfortunately lamenting the failure of leadership of the kings of Judah during his uh, time, during his lifetime, the kings of Judah that he would have known would have been the last four kings of Judah, those that presided over the ultimate decline and destruction over, the, um, over Jerusalem and the kingdom of Judea. Those four kings were, just to review, the king Jehoahaz, who took over after his father, mm-hmm. then his son, who was... Um, I'm sorry, his brother, Yehoiakim, his son, Yehoiachin, and, and um, the last king, Sikiyahu, who was the king that presided over the destruction. So it was those four. You might have to write this down to keep track. That is Yehoiachaz, Yehoiakim, Yehoiachin and Tidkiyahu. Now, in terms of those that got exiled the, um, to Babylonia, the first one of the above, Yehoahaz, as we'll find out shortly, failed in an attack against Egypt and was taken to Egypt as a captive and died there. So Yehoahaz was not... Um, was never went to Babylon. His successor, Yehoiakim, it would seem from the book of Kings that he died during the uh, a siege of during the first siege of Nebuchadnezzar of the king of Babylon against Jerusalem and was buried in Jerusalem. That's what it, it seems to say in the book of Kings. However, in the book of Chronicles, it says that he was uh, 
he was taken captive and brought to Chronicles. And Yechezkel seems to be going with the Chronicles version, that he was taken captive and brought to to um, to, uh, to Babylon and died there. His successor, which was his brother, Yehoiachin, I'm sorry, his son, Yehoiachin, the third of the four kings that were mentioned, only was king for a few days, and then he was taken by Nebuchadnezzar also back to Babylon, but he, different than all the others, was actually treated well by Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon and was given some honor, and he was going to be the one from whom the uh, future salvation, Zerubbabel, his grandson, was the one who was going to lead the Jews back to their land uh, when the second temple was built. So Yehoiachin was the one who saved the line of Judah, so to speak. And then his successor, Tzidkiyahu, was also taken by the king of Babylon and killed and he, there after, immediately after the final destruction of the land. So, so, so those are the, the four kings, again, uh, that you need to understand to understand the meaning of this parable. I know it can get a little bit... Um, a little bit confusing, but uh, this is a history that we've repeated time and time again during while studying, especially Jeremiah uh, and now the book of Ezekiel. So, and God says to Ezekiel in verse 1, and you saw Kina, I want you to raise your voice in the lamentation on the CA Israel regarding the princes or the leaders of Israel. So, he's talking to the leaders. This is a Kina, a lamentation regarding the failure of leadership. And I want you to say, Ma imchalavia, how so how much was your mother a lioness? She was a strong, powerful lioness, and she rested among the other lions. The understanding is she rested among the other nations. She was a strong lioness. She had power, she had grace, she had everything necessary to be successful among the other nations. She would have been a star. Among other powerful, strong lions, she raised up her cubs. Now, this lioness is understood by the Radak to be a reference to the people of Israel. The people of Israel um, raised up her cubs. But uh, Tal, and this verse, so, and, and the understanding is, and the idea is, is that a king gets his power from the people. The people raise him up. The people raise their leader and make their leader. This is a, a actually quite revolutionary in those times to understand it that way, that it was bottom-up. The king gets his power from the people who appointed him and brought him in. We'll see a little bit later another reference to this idea. And one, she raised up one of her cubs. Again, the reference to the idea that the people raised up one of those cubs, who is a reference to the king. And this is referring to the first of the four kings that I mentioned, whose name was Yehoahaz. He was the son of Josiah, the son of Yoshiahu. Kefir Hayah, he became a powerful beast. Vayilmad, and when they raised him up and made him king, he learned Litraf Teref, he learned to destroy and tear apart prey. Adam Achal, and he went and he ate people literally meaning he 
oppressed and abused the people below him. So instead of using his power for good, he used his power for personal gain. A common, unfortunate mistake of a leader. Big failure of leadership, number one, mentioned by Ezekiel here. By Yishmu'elav Goyim. And once the other nations surrounding heard about this king, this corrupt and brutal king, and this is often what happens, they saw it's time to attack. He became trapped in their, in their traps or by their hooks or snares. And they dragged him with hooks to the land of Egypt. This is a reference to Yehoahaz. Yehoahaz was the, is the first of the four kings that we mentioned, and he was he led a battle against Egypt to avenge the death of his father Josiah, who died at the hands of Egypt. His battle failed. He was captured by the Egyptians, thrown into jail, and eventually dragged to Egypt, and he died there. That was Yehoahaz, the first king. So he was corrupt, and he suffered for his corruption, and that was his end. So and she saw, she meaning the people of Israel, saw that they had been um, destroyed and beaten in battle. Her hope had been lost. She had her hope in Yehoahaz to restore the glory that they knew from the days of Josiah. So and she took Echad another one of her of her cubs, Kefir Samasu, and made him into a big strong lion. This is a reference to Eliakim, who became named Yehoiakim when he became king. Now, Yehoiakim initially was a vassal to Egypt because he was appointed king after the, uh, the loss of, of Judea in battle to Egypt. So Egypt was now the overlord, and he was initially a vassal king to Egypt. But this was at a time when the Babylonian kingdom was on the ascendancy. So during his kingdom, the Babylonians became much stronger than the Egyptians, as we shall see. And he went also among the lions. He was also a big, strong, mighty beast. However, he made the same mistake. And he learned to destroy and tear apart his prey, and he went and oppressed human beings. So now, again, we have another corrupt king, another king who rather than lead the people in the right direction, he led them in the wrong direction, he was oppressive, he was corrupt, and so on. He was so bad by Yedal Minotav, he raped and ravished its widows, whether this means that he literally did, or whether it means that he caused that the, the situation should be so corrupt that these things happened in his society, or both. Any are possible interpretations of you. He ended up destroying the cities. And the land and all of the people that lived in the land were appalled at his roar. In other words, he, he led with a strong hand. He led in a corrupt way, in a way that caused ruin and brought ruin to the cities. This is an interesting observation because what it's pointing out here is that when the king is corrupt, the society starts to fall apart. There's there's destruction. There's fighting. There's war. There's there's poverty. There's famine, etc. The people around saw that the king was weak. Yehoiakim was weak. So so by seeing that the king was weak, the kingdom was weak, 
they, I apologize for that interruption there, um, they determined that they were going to attack. And at this point, it was now the, the kingdom of Egypt had receded in power, and it was the king of Babylon who came and attacked together with, as is recorded in the book of Kings, together with uh, his allies, people from Ammon, people from the nation of Moab, people from the nation of Aramea, the Arameans, and the Chaldeans, all attacked together under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, when Jehoiakim was king. And then consistent with what we find in Chronicles, Basugar and they put him into jail, into a, uh, um, into a captivity to, with hooks, and they brought him to the king of Babylon. They brought him in traps. So that his voice, meaning this roar with which he intimidated his subjects, would no longer be heard on the mountains of Israel. And then this ends this little parable here, but remember this is a lamentation. This is Yoshio, this is Ezekiel saying how sad it is that these kings led to so much destruction because they uh, they they were corrupt and they oppressed others and they suffered the consequences. Their their nations fell apart. So now Yehoahaz and Yehoiakim the first two kings that we mentioned are both gone. Yehoahaz died in Egypt. Yehoiakim is dragged off in chains to Babylon. The next king is Yehoiachin, who was also taken to Babylon, but he was not killed. He was given honor. And the king after that is Tzidkiyahu, who led the country into complete and total ruin. So he's going to begin with another lamentation, with another image, no longer the image of the powerful king of Judah, but they are still very connected, this powerful lioness that represents the people of, of Judah. And, the, and the, the small, the baby lions who are meant to be the leaders, who are meant to give strength to the people and lead the people, but failed in that quest. He's now going to flip to another another uh, another par another comparison but a another metaphor is the word i was looking for sorry however we're going to continue on in history until the complete destruction of the final king imcha your mother now he's talking to the people your mother kagefen bidamcha amayim shesula she was like a vine in your blood your blood is what gives life to the entire body the vine uh, which is planted on water. She was able to bear fruit and, and lots of leaves and branches. She had all of this bounty and strength because she had many waters. This is referring to the king that followed Yehoiachin. This is, remember, Yehoiachin, the third king, was only king for a few months, and he was taken by Nebuchadnezzar, given an honorable place in Babylon and kept in Babylon, but I, presumably because Nebuchadnezzar sensed that Yehoiachin might actually do a good job and restore the kingdom of Israel. And in the end, it was Yehoiachin's descendants uh, from Babylon that did restore the kingdom. But he put in place the vassal king, Tzidkiyahu, and he said, I will support you, I will help you. If you recall back in chapter 17 with the, the, with the um, eagle, 
the, the, the metaphor of the eagle, we said that that large, powerful eagle had planted uh, the, the vine that represented Sidkiyahu next to water, made, gave him everything he needed to grow nice and, and, and healthy and strong and bear fruit. Um, as long as he remained with his roots at underneath the strong eagle. So as long as Tzidkiyot were to remain under Babylon and be faithful, he would have had everything he needed and would have been able to provide the strength for Judea to, to thrive. And he had a strong scepter which, which provided him the ability to have the scepter of leaders, the kind of scepter carried by a king a symbol of his power and his royalty, and he grew his height among all the other trees. He grew really tall. This is a sim- again a reference back to chapter seventeen, where we saw the um, the uh, the 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 king represented as the top branches of the tall cedar tree, because he's so high he could be seen from the distance, because he has so many branches and so many leaves. But then, if you remember that same parable, what did the vine actually do? He left the place where he had all of the water and the fertile field and the protection of the great eagle, and he decided to go off and look other places for help and support. He ended up, which represented looking to Egypt for help, which didn't work. He ended up rebelling against the king of Babylon, against the advice of the prophets. And he ended up, and at that point, he had, did not have the support that he needed and remember what we said there, that an easterly wind would come and dry him out and ruin him. So this is what happens here in verse 12. But he was plucked up in, in, in fury. He ripped himself out of that, of that good land where he was and he was thrown to the ground. He ripped himself off of the top of the trees and thrown to the ground. And an easterly wind came and dried out his fruit. His 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 um the strength the scepter the strong stick that represented royalty tore apart dried up and became, became consumed by flame viata and now where is it planted no longer in a fertile field next to water but shetulaban it it is now planted in the desert the eretz tziavetzama in a land that is dry and parched. And this represents the final destruction. She went, she rebelled against Babylon. She went to Egypt. It failed. And the easterly wind came, burnt it all, destroyed it all. And fire came forth from all of her all of her twigs and branches and consumed all of its fruit. And there was no longer a strong scepter, a strong stick, for to represent the rulership and the royalty of the kingdom of Judea. Kinahi, this is my lamentation, Vatihila Kina, or this God is saying to Ezekiel, this is a lamentation, and this should be the lamentation that you say to the people. Uh, one point that I didn't mention in the beginning, of course, was representing the people of Judah as a lion, of course, comes from Genesis where in the blessings of Jacob, Jacob called Judah a gur ariyehu, compared him to a lion, that image of the people as a lion is, um, is, is an ancient image in, among the people of Judea. Uh, this here teaches us a little bit about leadership. Leadership, number one, we learned, comes from the people. 
which is given to the king. Number two, we learned that if the leader fails, he brings everyone down with him. Uh, if the, as the corruption continues, unfortunately, it leads to the destruction of the kingdom. It is in the hands of the leaders. These leaders could have been the support. They could have had the fruit and the bounty and everything had they only been avoided corruption and avoided oppression of others. And it is key that it is oppression of others that was the primary sin mentioned here that Ezekiel is talking about that the kings did bad. He doesn't mention here even idol worship. He mentions here oppression of others, Adam al-Khal, which led to the destruction. Thank you so much for studying chapter 19 together. Looking forward to studying chapter 20 and of course the entire book of Ezekiel together.